Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders and heads of multinationals. They talk, we listen. My guest today is a seasoned digital technology specialist and a business transformation expert. But before we get into that, here is a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Deloitte. Deloitte Digital is the creative digital consultancy. By fusing creativity and technology, we connect customers with businesses in a better way. Each path starts and ends with our customers, understanding their drive to then shape the business around it. We look beyond the buyers to the humans, anticipating what really matter to them. We marry industry intelligence and technology excellence, analysis and design thinking to create digital customer experiences that last. This is what we call elevating the human experience. Understanding the digital space and preparing for what's next is at our core. We help clients reimagine how profits are made and how relationships are created and managed. We reshape how work gets done and rewire the competitive fabric of entire industries. Curious to find out more about Deloitte Digital? Check us out on DeloitteDigital.de. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Eric Van Aren is a digital professional and advisory partner with 30 years consulting experience, of which 25 years in leadership positions. He's a CEO and a global leader with clients in Europe, Asia, and the Americas. An ex-partner of Deloitte Consulting, he was also a partner for Infosys Consulting, where he embarked on business development in the Nordic region, as well as market introduction in Switzerland for other corporations. Today, Eric spends his time divided into his consulting business being the board advisors to Aurelius Enterprise and a professor of digital transformation at Ziggurat Innovation and Technology Business School. Um, welcome to Head Talk, Eric. Many thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Elaine, and uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I look forward to uh, participate in this uh, in this uh, uh, interview. Yes. I- I'm looking forward to this very much indeed, and I look forward to your insights. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, The first point I want to make is the world has somewhat been grounded. We are all finding new ways of functioning and continuing with our businesses as well as personal life. As mentioned in my introduction, you are in the business of transforming clients from one state to another. Generally and briefly, how has the consulting world been affected by this outbreak? Now, in general, I would say that uh, it's always good for consulting that uh, there isn't uncertainty. So uh, uncertainty typically means business for uh, for consulting companies. Uh, uh, Here, it's obviously a bit different uh, to start off with because the uncertainty uh, has short term for consulting two major components, which I think uh, are very relevant. First, uh, there is, uh, you know, the the investments are not to the level uh, that Mm -hmm. they used to be. So companies tend to hold back with investments at the moment uh, because of the uncertain situation, but also because uh, they have other focus areas, you know, they need to survive. They need to uh, look at the situation on how they continue, uh, look at the competitive landscape, etc., etc. So that's one. Short term, Mm -hmm. less investment. Second is... Uh, consulting is typically not the home office kind of business. So uh, consulting, you, tip, you 
typically on site. So it is uh, both for the consultants, but also for the uh, for the clients. It is a bit of a, a change to be in a home office situation, and that uh, can work for certain advisory. It is very difficult to win new business for consulting uh, businesses in uh, in, in mm. such situation, obviously. So what uh, typically a lot of the consulting companies do at the moment, which is the, I guess, the logical consequence of it, is to focus on their current client base. Um, there, where there's a trust situation, consulting is obviously a very, you know, has a very high level of trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, which needs to be there between the, the clients and the consulting companies and uh, and they built on this trust. So difficult to new to win new business. Uh, that's why there's a focus on uh, on the current clients. But if it picks up, uh, the uncertainty component uh, will uh, will be good for the consulting uh, business uh, because mm-hmm. there are new questions asked by uh, the clients and that will lead to exported uh, by thought. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, um, let's go into some detail. Um, let's talk about some of your portfolio services that you offer, um, in particular restructuring. Now, how do you go about restructuring a program as a result of the COVID-19 that is already in the midst of being restructured in the first place? You know, you talk about your current clients, so this question feeds into that as an example. I, for instance, know the enormity of restructuring programs from a previous life, so I cannot begin to understand what you do in the midst of the pandemic with the restrictions in place. Effectively, how do you restructure a restructuring program under these conditions? Yeah, I think, you know, I think uh, uh, there is a component that you need to restructure. I will come to that in a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, there's also components where restructuring is not necessarily, uh, you know, a must. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I give you an example. So at a client where I'm working, we are... We are restructuring the data on how they uh, how they deal with customers and vendors. Uh, that project simply continues, and uh, it's just uh, you know a couple of weeks ago, we went live in a complete virtual uh, setup, mm-hmm. and and that is uh, you know that's an example where there's no restructuring necessary. I think, however, there are restructurings uh, following a restructuring so if you have a program where you you know in an area where i'm also quite active in uh, in the supply chain if you look at uh, supply chain um, uh, programs uh, at the moment uh, i cannot imagine any supply chain project which will go which will go on on a it's a business as usual kind of uh, of Mm. thing and i think the difference there is how consultant, but also also how the governance is is dealt with in such a such a program. So first, the governance uh, given by the 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 client where we work for, they obviously need to see on how can we drive uh, the uh, project team in the right direction. So they need to give triggers also to the project teams. Uh, but further, it is very dependent on the consultant. So and for me, that is the difference between consultants who work according to a cookbook uh, or a textbook and consultants who bring in the right experience. Uh, I cannot imagine doing, uh, you know, at the moment, such a supply chain project and not uh, holding, you know, holding back at the moment a bit and having a, a top management meeting and seeing, okay, I, you know, the the solutions we defined or the concept we had, we wanted to set up is that still fitting your ideas and what do we need to uh, to do there now mm-hmm. if i look at that i think there's 
there is uh, probably a component of okay not reacting too emotional uh, by the client so it could be if i take the supply chain as an example it could be that the supply chain uh, you know the, the company says the, our client said say uh, supply chain you know let's uh, make now everything let's do everything mm -hmm. local i don't believe necessarily in that that is the long-term answer a lot of people talk about that uh, but that could be like an emotional, not well thought through decision. And I think there also the consulting uh, comes into a new space, uh, at least for certain consulting companies, where they really need to see that they advise the clients in the right way and give this holistic view. So, 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 is, so is there quite a bit of that, Eric, where there is more panic decisions from the clients and you sort of have to temper that? And look, and whether it's an emotional decision or whether actually it's a right decision or a right thought yeah. from the client post. Is there something like, like that happening? There? No, I think it's all a bit new still. Uh, so if I look at uh, three different phases I see companies going through with this COVID-19 is that, uh, you know, the survival phase. Uh, that was obviously a panic uh, phase, but that was not looking at, okay, how do we move on from here? That is how we survive today or this month. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the second phase is then, you know, so then that's more like okay how, you know stabilizing how do we deal with that now and there the panic uh, component uh, can come in but that's actually pretty new i haven't experienced it myself mm -hmm. uh, i have i think i have uh, captured all the issues uh, to a normal uh, stage mm -hmm. uh, but i did hear from from colleagues from of mine uh, who were in situations where they were thinking okay you know it's a bit too much panicking are you finding this is i'm talking about particular projects generally are you, are you finding or are you seeing because it'd be great if you have this experience but if you're seeing it also that'd be fantastic information i suppose to a degree thinking has changed from cost production programs to more survival head above the water so what does that typically look like in a project i mean share with my audience some of your experiences if you're not currently doing that just share something right. what would be done in a scenario like that yeah, I think uh, so. I, I, I currently, I must say, I don't have that specific situation mm -hmm. as I mentioned already. I, you know, I think I have that in my with you know, with the clients I work with, I, we have that pretty much under control. Uh, but this the survival is, and and I think you know, before I start answering your question, I think it's important to. Uh, to restate again where consulting is most uh, uh, used for, and that is to make structural changes. The survival component is not necessarily a core competency of most of the consulting companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So outside perhaps some, of some project management skills, uh, but uh, so the survival uh, is, is more or less uh, that uh, uh, the clients say, okay, you consulting companies, we cannot deal with you at the moment because you are making structural changes. We want to survive now, so please hold off a bit. Um, so, but if there is a survival situation, I think, you know, where I, where I would add more value to uh, would be the, the project management and the holistic view of that and getting an outside in view into it so that we can, can drive into a more, you know, can at the end have the end state in, 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 in the picture and not necessarily the panic is, is a picture uh, where we need to end uh, with. Mm -hmm. So, but if you have then, if you come out of that survival and you go into this, uh, what I call the stabilization phase, 
there's the most important uh, period where uh, you should talk uh, as a consultant to your clients about uh, the uh, how how should how should the end state be now um, because the 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 panic is still fresh uh, people have all kinds of ideas uh, mm -hmm. business is not into a growth mode again because you are trying to stabilize again mm -hmm. and there's where you should come up with the ideas on how to restructure going forward and learning from what has happened uh, and then the third phase would be then the growth again and for the growth you you better have then your ideas uh, set up so that you can help them with uh, with realizing those these three phases are very important to realize mm -hmm. Yes, and you mentioned that there's survival um, stage or survival phase, and I, uh, I do believe, agree with me or disagree with me, that some of the consulting will enable that state. Therefore, you know, um, one of the additional questions to this, for instance, the, um, the adoption of te technological solutions. Now, with the situation we are looking at at the moment, clients are looking for what works and keeps their business afloat and can you implement that yesterday? Um, what's happening in the, your clients' minds with this kind of scenario and how are you addressing it or how would you address it? I mean, what are the challenges you're facing? Because I know that they are looking into that in terms of the complete change of the way they're working now and yeah, adopt technological digital solutions, that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's part of the panic, but what, what are some of the conversations you're having with them? Yeah, I think that's a very good question, Elaine. And uh, you know, I'm in the midst of uh, of, of addressing this. So uh, I see the, the, the technology component as uh, you know, the COVID nineteen has made the technology component somewhat more important. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the, the home office and the not being all together has given a, a significant bump in uh, office applications collaboration uh, you know it's a uh, it's it, it it was more or less a forced digitalization for uh, for a lot of companies um, if we look at if you i talked about these three phases as uh, survival and then stabilizing and then mm -hmm. uh, again in the stabilization phase um the, the the thing comes back again with can you implement this yesterday uh, mm -hmm. because the the changes the uncertainty in the market will drive the the changes that uh, are required and uh, and uh, you get into i think a couple of the uh, you know an example of the supply chain again so companies are looking not only at a stable situation where they know where their suppliers are where they know where their production sites are where they know how the supply chain network works no, it's a completely unstable situation. And instead of, and the, and the talks I have with my clients is instead of looking simply at, uh, okay, how can we change the, uh, the, the structure that it's, uh, you know, that, that we take away the risks which we saw coming up uh, with COVID-19, uh, it's more, okay, how can we deal with supply chain risk management? So make it more structural. And, uh, and and looking at that from a technology component, that means then that's a, that is a different set of uh, technologies which will help you with that. It is using in a big time uh, big data. Uh, it is looking both. It is taking both uh, inside data of the company, but also the environmental data, so the outside uh, data 
uh, not company mm -hmm. internal data uh, to compare to the right decision. So uh, the and there and there you get indeed okay. Can we can we have that uh, yesterday? Yes, I think um, we will we will return back to the detail of what you do, but still on the theme of clients panicking and survival. Um, I know you must have clients that are currently that you're currently working with. You must also see struggles in their their businesses. You've mentioned that, and we've we've just talked about that. What right. government intervention that a you see being announced that is of great benefit to them and in turn to you and your organisation, and b should be done to aid some of their struggling businesses. And um, this is a fairly open question. Please feel free to interpret it how you may. You could talk about a specific problem or a broader high-level government solution or even politics. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, right. Uh, <laughs> I would say a bit out <laughs> of the politics. Uh, uh, but, uh, but I, you know, I think it's a very good question. And uh, it is also a question which you, I think you can only answer uh, as, an, uh, as an open uh, question. So... Mm -hmm. uh, if I look at uh, the uh, you know what's currently happening, then uh, companies are, are struggling. Uh, other companies are having the best time of uh, you know probably the decades. Uh, that uh, you know simply because business is booming, mm -hmm. and I luckily have a couple of those uh, companies as my as my clients. Uh, mm -hmm. What I see, however, with the companies who are struggling is that uh, uh, they they want to get back to normal. And uh, and I think you know what's happening currently by governments is that we first have a completely different uh, decision making processes across the world, which is obviously understandable, but that's not easy for the companies uh, because you have uh, you know you don't necessarily get to stability if you get st into stability into one country. So it's a it will stay for a long time an uncertain situation. And the decision making, even in the EU where I live, uh, uh, there is not uh, one, uh, you know, one direction. Even in uh, Germany, where I live, mm -hmm. uh, it is different by state. So uh, that that stays into an uncertain situation. And I think, you know, what I see with my clients is that uh, there's a wish to get back to normal and to stability, and that's not coming if we have different decisions made by by mm. individuals. Your state or by individual countries. Uh, it will stay too long uncertain. Um, that's one element of that. The other element uh, is that uh, uh, there is a lot of talk on uh, subsidizing and, uh, you know, and the money flow, which is obviously important. But I think we have to understand that um, at least most of my clients, where I, where I deal with and contacts I deal with at the market, that are companies who want to survive on their own. That's their optimal goal. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not only the money, it is for most getting really back into normal so that you can do your business again. So bring an, bring an environment, get to an environment, and that could be a different environment than we had in the past, but get to an environment where companies can perform again. Mm. I, think, I think one of the things I want to talk to you about is the the new normal and i want your view on that but before we do that um let's just touch upon the, the sort of world again and we talk a lot about fit for purpose i mean it's a phrase we use all the time what's not and what is i mean now in this situation 
What do you no longer think is fit for purpose as a result of COVID-19? I know it's a, a broad question. So within the confinements of the business you're in, please be as broad and as narrow as you like in, in your response. Yeah, I think if we talk from a consulting perspective on fit for purpose, it's a very popular phrase, yes. I must say. Uh, uh, is uh, there are two components to that uh, one is the approach we take at, uh, at our clients to address an issue and lead that to a satisfactory uh, uh, answer or a result uh, the this the second component is uh, the solutions uh, offering to the so it's you know our clients always look at okay have you done that before have you seen that before have you implemented like something like that before? So that's what I would call the solutions. Now, if I differentiate between the two, I think the differentiation is very important. So the approach is, uh, you know, typically, as I mentioned in the beginning already, uh, consulting is something which you do on site. Uh, I, I would uh, strongly recommend consulting companies, and I for sure do that also myself, to not look at just on-site consulting because not because uh, this could happen again uh, it could obviously happen again mm -hmm. but because companies have gotten to have have you are used now to this uh, home office kind of work yes. so offer, should be a bit linked to that so fit for purpose what you should avoid in my opinion is that pure on-site consulting uh, mm -hmm. then on the solution i think there there will be even more fit for a uh, purpose to a level that is hardly a fit anymore uh, and that is completely linked to the uncertainty uh, so uh, finding and it's and the uncertainty brings a new situation for most of the companies so if we come in there as consultancy and we say okay we have done this before and then tell a story which is not completely fitting the the client situation then it's not completely fit for purpose so um, uh, so that's why, uh, you know, there we have uh, for sure a situation that is a, a huge variety of fit for purpose uh, to, till the level that we cannot talk for uh, about a fit anymore, at least in the coming uh, months, I would say. Um, now, if we get into uh, things which I would not offer as fit for purpose anymore is, uh, you know, your typical supply chain network planning without doing, without having supply chain risk management. Example I mentioned before, but there are others uh, which are, you know, similar, but that I think that risk management uh, component speaks a lot uh, to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's another uncertainty in there which i think most of the consulting companies need to look at and that is the uncertainty has also led to that the strategic directions of companies could be at question uh, and that could be the overall direction it could be the competitive landscape it could be the uh, you know the, the way uh, companies deal with uh, market channels uh, it, it could be all of that uh, or elements of that so that strategic component is not necessarily a given anymore so as a consultant it's important to uh, not say okay the, st the strategy is defined so let's see on how we implement it no the strategy is questionable in a lot of the companies I deal with so there's a hell of a lot of uncertainty going forward. Yeah, it? It, huh? It's good yeah. for consulting, as I yeah. mentioned. Well, yes, it's good for business. But yes. not, not only on the receiving end of it, I suppose. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. Um, let's go back to what you talked about just before that, which was um, the new norm. And 
what is that for you? Um, we know until a vaccine is discovered, we need to exercise caution in how we interact. So, you know, right now you and I are having a, a video, an audio conference uh, for a podcast. And before when we would have met physically and have a conversation. So what are your thoughts on the new norm in a sort of a confined business office space? And what does that look like? And also on a, a global level in terms of interaction. Just yeah. keep your thoughts on that. Right, yeah. Um, the, um, it, it's obviously a bit of guessing, but that's also what yeah. you asked me to do. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let, let me, I think it's interesting to see uh, a couple of components. One is what you mentioned already, this whole, whole home office thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a uh, couple elements of that will stay. Uh, so, and uh, 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 that's not only, I think, within the consulting business, but I think that's also that uh, we will have, at least for the foreseeable future, probably also less business travel because people see that it works now and um, uh, that it works also like this. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not optimal, but the question is if you should fly for a meeting of two hours to New York and then yeah. fly the same time, the same day back and that it really has the value or can that be done by a video call or whatever. Um, so I think that's uh, that's one element. Um, then a bit industry dependent uh, is uh, the forced uh, uh, drive into the digital digitalization. So, and I'm talking there about the, uh, probably a bit more about the market channels. Uh, so if I look at CPG and retailers, retail companies, uh, the, uh, uh, they they are you know the retail companies which didn't have an online uh, uh, an yes. online yes. Uh, and a digital uh, uh, market channel they they probably have struggled more than the ones which had uh, had that in place so um, there is a there is a, a variety of market channels that we probably need to uh, look at and and that will also impact not only our clients but also our, also the consulting uh, business. Mm -hmm. Then you have this whole talk about local businesses, and uh, I don't believe necessarily in that, as I said before, not in terms of uh, our, what our clients do, but also in terms of the consulting or, uh, industry. I, I don't think that local businesses is the future. I think more that global businesses is the future. Um, so I, I don't believe in that dramatic change as other people uh, are putting that, at least if we can resolve all of that or get back to a somewhat normal state uh, within, uh, you know, the next uh, year, I would say. Uh, then there is a, the, the, a further component is the competitive landscape. So it's, 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 you know, interesting to see on that, on how that works. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that uh, the COVID-19 will have an impact on certain companies. And how, how would that change into the competitive landscape? So. Do we get more acquisitions? Uh, do we get uh, more uh, uh, monopolists in the in the organ in the in the business world? Also in the consulting world, what does that mean? So, I think that would happen. So, uh, there's for certainly something where we get back to a new normal, where there's a, a competitive landscape or the company landscape will uh, will look a bit uh, a bit different. So I think that I believe I mentioned four elements there. I think those four elements: home office. I believe that is uh, that's a given that we have to look at the digitalization that companies are forced into that. That's a that's a given. 
the local businesses i don't believe in it uh, that should go more that should go more to a new normal uh, in terms of how do we deal with global supply chains and global businesses and the competitive landscapes that's certainly something which will change right okay that's very interesting actually okay um let's have a change in direction mm -hmm. you um you do other things away from consulting i know and i get a sense of you wanting to do more than consulting and teaching plays into this. Um, you teach and advise in the digital startup space. You're a professor of digital transformation at the Ziggurat Global Institute of Technology. Tell us more about this and why are you doing this and what are some of the outcomes of your work and teaching here? Yeah, I think, let me start with why I'm doing this. I, I, you mentioned that I have 30 years of experience or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Gray hairs. I have gray hair, uh, so I still feel very dynamic. Very dynamic, but I think I have that much experience that I can also uh, teach something to people. And uh, uh, when I uh, when I left my la the last uh, large consulting company where I worked for, mm -hmm. uh, on purpose I didn't join another uh, big consulting company. On purpose I started for myself and doing three things and basically it was continue with consulting but not in a managerial role anymore but more in uh, working with uh, my clients again mm -hmm. the second is uh, to help startups with uh, young people to help them go to market in the digital mm -hmm. space and then the third thing was indeed uh, you're bringing my knowledge across to other people uh, now, why at Isigurat? Uh, I think that's a very important element, why I'm doing that exactly at this institute. Uh, uh, first, it's a, a postgraduate post MBA study. So I'm dealing with experienced people there. So mm -hmm. that keeps me also fresh. And uh, uh, I get also new ideas from, uh, from my students. Uh, the second one is that it is a virtual study. So it's a... It is it is global in nature. So I deal with uh, you know with students out of the U.S., out of the Emirates, out of uh, China, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that gives a very good uh, 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 course because uh, the uh, the students are having a very good interaction with each other, and uh, I also learn from that. I would say. And then uh, the, the, the specifically this institute uh, focuses a lot on the experience and less on the theory. So it's not that I'm teaching theory, uh, theoretic uh, components, but I'm actually uh, talking about my experience to uh, to to my students, and mm -hmm. and that uh, also helps. So what do I get out of it, or what have I seen? I think what you know what I what I've seen in this digital business. Uh, uh, program is that uh, over the years, I'm doing this now, uh, I've done now two years, I'm going now into the third year. I've seen a big difference between the first year and the second year. The first year, it looked like digital was new for students. Yeah. The second year, I had extremely interesting conversations with my students. Now, what, what I also see is that the virtual kind of study that could be directly linked to this COVID-19 thing happening now uh, is that uh, it looks like uh, this the study is picking up uh, mm -hmm. so the last two years i had one program per year uh, now i have for this year I have two two programs so it's picking up and uh, i think that could be directly related to that 
people think that virtual studies could be uh, could be a could and that be will a become a new norm as well, won't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So it's just nice to hear that you're very comfortable with this very, this virtual working already prior to COVID, because in terms of your, the students that you have across the globe and you're working Indeed, with. Yeah. Okay, um, I'd like to end on this. Um, in terms of your portfolio of services going forward. In business, what now will dominate at least in the next year or so? I know you've touched upon, uh, on it in terms of some of the stuff that the clients will be looking for in terms of assistance. That's A. And B, in education, what are you telling and will be teaching your startups that wasn't on the curriculum prior to the pandemic? Yeah. I think uh, so. In my business, in my consulting business, uh, it's uh, dealing with the uncertainty. Uh, that is uh, probably more than I have experienced in the uh, in in my consulting career. So there's a, a new component for me as well. So if I compare this to the uh, financial crisis a couple of mm -hmm. years ago, this is a bit of a different story. Uh, so uh, dealing with the uncertainty, that's I. I see that that the, my clients uh, ask me for help for that, and that is primarily this outside in view, but also making sure that the holistic view comes across and getting them out of the panic mode. That mm -hmm. are the components which uh, which my clients uh, uh, look for my advice uh, there. Um, as I'm a lot dealing with what I call application enabled business transformation, so where I take technology as a driver to get to business improvements, uh, there is also a component to that in, and that is that my clients will ask for a wider variety of advice in terms of uh, the technology which can help. Uh, I see that now already uh, and I see that continuing as people uh, get, as more companies get into the mm -hmm. stabilization mm -hmm. phase. Um, I think that is, uh, that is the, uh, that are probably the two mo two main components. I think clients ask me to more guide than I did before. Uh, mm -hmm. So the guiding of uh, so tell us what to do. That's more the that's the question I hear here most often. Tell mm -hmm. tell us what to do. Now in terms of the education, as you also asked that. Um, I must say, uh, virtual study uh, as I as I. I do that, um, uh, which which means it's uh, videos and uh, recorded uh, mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 sessions and it's uh, reading material. Uh, I have to redo most of that uh, because of uh, this uh, COVID nineteen. <laughs> so it, it is it, it the world world as it was before is not the world as it as it will be in the future i'm uh, currently working already uh, on redoing most of my course material and it will be largely to deal with uncertainties largely to deal as i have a big part mm -hmm. of my curriculum is also related to supply chain and purchasing uh, it, it will be okay how how has this impact uh, now uh, the the future mm -hmm. world and how would you deal with uncertainties in this uh, in specifically in this market I, I i suspect that um in years to come the phrase pre-covid 19 and post-covid 19 will be a term used not just in business, but throughout, in terms of how things are done. So I, I think so too. Uh, yeah, it's obviously. I I think you know, with me, I think with a lot of people, there's a fear. Okay, would there be a next uh, COVID uh, yes. twenty or 
2021. Uh, so uh, it, I think you know. Let's hope this is uh, this. Is, we get now to stable and it stays stable. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, yeah. The pre and the post will be very important. Oh, yes, yeah. how we conduct business. Yeah. Okay, um, Eric Van Aram, many thanks for your time and insight. Thanks, Elaine. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.